The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Great to meet a few new people this morning as well. So welcome to The Grove. We're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter four. If you've got a Bible with you, I always encourage you to bring a Bible. I probably say it every time that I speak, but uh, bring a Bible, bring something to take notes with. And of course, if you've got a smartphone, with a Bible app that works as well. <clears throat> like I said, we're gonna be in 1 Peter 4 as we continue our series, Enemy at Work. Um, I don't know how many of you out there are uh, sports fans. Maybe you like football, baseball, basketball, soccer, um, you know, whatever sports you might like. Um, but for many of us, we're aware of something called the draft. The draft is a certain window of time where certain you know, professional sports you know, acquire players from college or from other nations or, or different leagues and, and move them into sort of the big leagues. And if you watch the drafts at all, they make kind of a big deal out of, you know, this player is gonna go number one, this player is gonna go number two, three, you know, whatever, round one, round two, round three. And it all usually depends on what they think of certain you know, combine scores and how you've played in, in you know, college or something. Um, and some of you guys watch this maybe really religiously and love it. I gotta be honest, um, I kinda couldn't care less. Now, the reason, and I say, well, that's kind of a mean thing to say. The reason though is because if you know anything about professional sports, there are all kinds of players that don't translate from one level to the next. They're all, I mean, and Russell Wilson is almost the opposite of that, the quarterback for the Seahawks, where you know he was drafted super, you know, what, round three in a ways down the line, didn't think he would be much of anything, and yet here he is, he's a pretty incredible quarterback. Tom Brady, another similar story. Um, nobody thought a whole lot of Tom Brady when he ended up on the Patriots. And of course, he's had, you know, an epic career. Um, but the, like I said, the whole reason for me or the whole thing for me is that you just never know who's going to rise up and who isn't. So I just don't put a whole lot of stock. I'm more of like, let's just wait and see. And, and who knows what's going to happen. Now you're going, well, why are we talking about football in church? What, what, what's the story here? And, and the reason is this, I think a lot of times it's easy to look at church the same way. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is sometimes we look at church and go, boy, you know, sure glad that person does this or that person can do that. Or maybe you look at church world and you, you know, show up and, and, and do your thing, but it's not necessarily like, well, I, boy, I don't know that I have anything to, to help with or ways to contribute or be a part of what's happening. I kind of just show up and it is what it is. And that's part of the tragedy that I want to talk about today is that it's easy for us to sort of rule ourselves out or, or you know, um, self disqualify ourselves because of how we perceive ways that we're gifted or wired or whatever. And that's playing right into, honestly, what I believe the enemy would have us consider, have us think or believe about where we belong within the church. And what happens is for too many people, it becomes about showing up, checking a spiritual box, showing up, feeling good about whatever happens in an experience like this and sort of going home going good. That's a great way to start my week because I feel better. And yet, while there's nothing wrong with the idea of showing up and being encouraged and built up, that's biblical, that's what needs to happen. The truth is, if that's all it's about and we go home, quote unquote, feeling better, we're missing out on part of what God intends. And so what happens again is in church world, the enemy at work would keep it like this. If we can keep the professional Christians doing professional things, you know, for professional ministry, while everybody else sort of watches the show, then the enemy is winning. Because this is not about a guy who stands up here and yells at you for 30 minutes. 
It's not about some person who can play an instrument and sing really well, which I can't do either of those things at all. Um, It's not about those individuals. It's about realizing that we all have a place. And I wanna challenge us in what we believe about how the church body operates. Now, in 1 Peter 4, there's a description that Peter offers the church because he has a deep concern for where it's going and what's happening in a world back then of severe persecution. In a world back then where faith wasn't well established and churches have been around forever, this is back in the day of the first century church where it was very much a Wild West kind of ride into whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And yet Peter has some things to say that I think will help us. In 1 Peter 4, Starting in verse 10, it says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should speak as uh, one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, today, as we walk through these words from Peter, I pray that you would help us uh, just have our eyes open, that it's more than just a mental ascent. It's more than just believing, you know, sort of in our core, that's true, but it's how it impacts us. Just like Aaron last week had said, it's a tragedy for us to believe something, but not produce life change in us. So God, I pray for all of us to not only make the mental ascent, the conviction of it, but that it changes how we live and operate in our world because our world needs your work in Jesus' name, amen. Peter opens up this sentence with this phrase, each of you. Now, by a raise of hands, how many of you would believe that Paul is, or excuse me, that Peter is actually talking to you? Okay, about seven Now, for the rest of you, go ahead and do this real quick, and then we'll all get the right answer. Good job, okay, awesome. That was incredible, you guys. You're amazing at this, okay? Peter is talking to you. Peter is talking to me. Peter is talking to anybody that that, that if you're in that place where, and many of us have, if you've crossed the line of faith, if you've heard about the gospel of Jesus, a God who loves you and I so much that, that he sends Jesus to the cross to pay the price for all of our sin, that you and I can have forgiveness, that you and I can have hope, that you and I can have life, that you and I can walk out grace, that you and I can hold on to humility in the midst of a world that's full of divisiveness. Now, when we wrap our arms, our heads, our minds around the message of the gospel, we've crossed that line of faith. So when Peter says, each of you, that's who he's talking to. So each of you means us. Okay, let's continue through here. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Who's he talking to? All of us. How many of us in this text, as he's saying, has been, have been given gifts? All of us. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. When it comes to this picture of the body of Christ, Peter is saying, we've all been given some level of gift to be part of the body of Christ. That you're not here to watch the show. Are you not entertained? (laughs) 
You're not here to, 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 like I said, check a box. You're not sitting watching online, viewing this, going, okay, this is nice and good. It makes me feel great inside. Great, you're encouraged. But it's more than that. You and I are part of what Peter would say and Paul and even Jesus would say is the body of Christ. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Now, if you're taking notes, which I always encourage, write down 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is gonna give us even more detail than Peter does about this idea of the body of Christ. I'm gonna read today for now. I usually read the NIV and we study and walk through the NIV. That's what I typically do. I wanna read the message because Eugene Peterson, I love, I read his biography. I love Eugene Peterson. Um, he's passed away a few years ago, um, but he, he actually translated the scriptures for his church years ago. And we today call it the message version of the Bible. I wanna read what he says because I love some of the wording in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm starting here. Um, verse 10, each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. Did you hear that? That's for you. Each person is given something to do to show who God is. I got a lot to read here, so bear with me. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful, wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out by one and the same spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. And then now he's gonna give you an analogy. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, and cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, listen to this, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered in to a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Time out. In a world where, especially in the Western world and maybe in the USA in particular, we are so used to my rights and who I am and what I get and living as individuals that we miss out on what Paul is saying here. And what he's talking about is this idea of the body of Christ. And what he says is it used to be that apart from Christ, you did whatever you wanted to do. You believed whatever you wanted to believe. You made decisions based on your own happiness and whatever fulfilled you. And that was your thing, but it's not that way anymore. You are, not, you are now part of something much bigger and you don't simply live for yourself alone. And that's not a super popular thing to say in, in the Western world and in America and in 2021. That for you and I, it's not about doing whatever I wanna do. I don't make decisions based on what I think all the time and do whatever I sort of think feels good for me. And yet in the world we live in, it's very much become about whatever I think about myself and what I should do for me. I'm telling you, that's a dangerous warning. When that crops up and you and I think that we're only about living for ourselves, we're actually missing how we ought to be living. This is not popular. 
This is not gonna get me accolades. This is not gonna get, hey, let's all, here's a jolly good fellow before we leave today. But I'm telling you that Paul is saying you and I are part of something bigger. I don't make decisions based on what I want. For years as a pastor, there's a conversation that comes up. Hey, Pastor Nick, what do you think about drinking? Alcohol, meaning obviously not water and all whatever, because I have to drink something. I said, what do you think about that? I said, let, let me just give you the succinct answer. First of all, I realized that, that when you read scripture, there's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine or, or whatever. We are warned against excess and it becoming a habitual thing that, that begins to alter our pattern of behavior and our ability to control ourselves. That's when it really is a problem and you need to stay away from it. So on one hand, I realized we have a license to, to have a drink and that's fine biblically. At the same time, as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, I don't drink. And the reason I don't drink is twofold. One, I'm concerned where drinking alcohol would lead me because I don't know a lot of people that said, man, I drink water and I just trashed my house. <laughs> man, I had, I had one too many Coca-Colas and, and I, just, you know, I, I did this to my family and I uh, were wrecked. Okay, so I said, on one hand, there are plenty of other things I can drink that aren't gonna lead me down a path that is dangerous. Alcohol, on the other hand, is a path that can lead down to things that are dangerous. For me, personally, that's, I, I see that, I believe that. Two, there are people within the community that I love dearly at the Grove Church that have battled alcoholism and are still battling alcoholism and I wanna be a source of encouragement for them and so I don't touch it because I think it's better to stay away and not say how close can I get to the line, let's leave some margin there so that others can be encouraged and built up because I'm not just living for myself. See, there's all kinds of ways in our world that that's where we're called to filter how we do what we do. It's why if you're taking notes, little side note here, Romans 8 and Romans 15 talks of this. That us is not about living just for me. It's why we've said as the Grove Church, and I'm gonna get off on a tangent today, and I did this earlier, and I do apologize 15 times because this wasn't in my notes. But it's why when you read Romans 8 and Romans 15, it talks about this idea of you don't live for yourself alone. You live for others. As parents, we get that. I don't make decisions based on what I want to do. My favorite thing to do between December and April is ski. And I would love to spend my life on a mountain. I love Whistler, I love Baker, I love Stevens, I love Crystal. I love it. But since I've had kids, I don't go very often. Why? Because it takes a lot of money and a lot of time. And I would far rather spend that time raising my children and loving them well. I don't make decisions based on me. As parents, we constantly make decisions based on our kids. And if you said, no, I don't, you might wanna rethink how you're raising your family. <laughs> like, I do whatever I wanna do and they're just my kids. I'm the dad, I'm the mom, okay, careful. But I'm saying we get it when we think through the lens of raising our kids. We should get it when we think through the lens of being married, that I don't live for myself. I don't do whatever I wanna do. Every night I come home and sleep in my own bed with my wife, even though there's plenty of times I go out and, and do whatever. I've heard of marriages where, well, he just didn't come home tonight. What? <laughs> he's, he's talk, no, he's, it just happens. We've been married a few years, that's how it goes. Those are just simple examples of this idea that, look, this is not you and I living for what we want and fulfilling ourselves. And I'm telling you, there should be a grave warning in the world that we live in, that if, if we think that this is about me, myself, and I, and getting what I want, it's a detriment to the body of Christ. Should we keep going? You're like, just dismiss, let's just be done. <laughs> Each of us now is a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at the one fountain, his spirit. 
where we all come to drink. The old labels we used to identify ourselves, and he brings up Jew, Greek, slave, free, are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. And this is where Paul gets into it. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. And I love, and this is why I wanted to read this one. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it into first person. Like this idea, like if, because in the NIV it says, if the foot said to the hand, but he just goes, let's call the guy foot. Okay, listen. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? And I love this one. If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you wanna remove it from the body? Of course, Van Gogh and Mike Tyson might say something totally different. <laughs> and that's a low blow and I get it. I'm sorry for that. But, but I, and then he, he goes on, he says, if the body were all eye, how could it hear? If it were all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Paul is saying, just like your body, if it's functioning properly and healthy, is working together to accomplish the things that you need to accomplish every day, in the same way, every single one of us has a place in the body. And then he's gonna go into this idea of there are certain parts that are, that are mouth and there are certain parts that are inner organs. Listen to this. He says, for no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. And we've probably all seen those weird horror movies from the 60s. Maybe not, okay, just keep going. What we have is one body with many parts, each in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand? get lost. I don't need you. I love it. Or head telling foot, you're fired. Your job has been phased out. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. Listen to this. The lower parts of the body, the more basic and therefore are more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not a stomach. When it's a part of your body you're concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I'm gonna let that sit for a minute. Which by the way, I've been telling my wife for years, babe, I realize my forehead's getting bigger, but just tell me if it's time to start shaving it, because I will, it's okay. None of you have that same permission though. So don't come up in the lobby like, dude, it's time, bro. Just, let's get done. I love that. Wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full body? Some of you guys are like, no, I wouldn't. I'll take IBS and tons of hair, okay? So that's, that's the wrong way to view this. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That is who you are. You must never forget this. See, we, we live together in this thing. 
And listen, I, I sent an email yesterday and I opened it up with, you know, hey, Grove Church family. I don't say that because as a pastor, it seems like family would be a great word to use. I use that word because this idea of what Paul is saying is that we're in this together. And it is a weird juxtaposition. What I mean by that is we have people within the Grove Church that, that are going through some tough stuff and, and, and it's rough and we're praying with them and, and, and trying to walk them through certain grief and traumas and, and, and really difficult things. And we have certain people in the church that are, are finishing degrees and celebrating milestones and, and doing those weddings and all these things to celebrate. And so we together on one hand, grieve with those who grieve and we celebrate with those who celebrate because that's what we do together. That's what, and please hear it, not we like me as a pastor, Aaron, and some other of us that are on staff with you, but us together. Yesterday, I was talking to somebody that I hadn't seen in years and we were just kind of catching up and, and we got to the whole thing about, hey, how's the church? What's going on there and stuff? And I said, man, it's, it's been a crazy journey. And we're talking a little bit about it. And, and I said, you know, if I were to, to, to I mean, let me walk you through this. If I were to say it this way, like, here's the deal. With all that's gone on in the last, like, you know, 14, 15 months with COVID, I would say that, and this is just a random kind of guess, I would say that 30% of, of what we've done as a church um, is try to navigate people through COVID and hospital and ER and prayer and, and trying to make visits when we can and we're not always let in. In fact, we haven't often been let in to visit, but sometimes when it's really dire. Um, 30% has been related to people that... that the COVID and have it or have had it and, and stuff like that. 70% has been all of the other stuff. The anger of you know, wearing masks or not, or the political thing, or you know, the, the, the race you know, stuff. 70% of all that we've dealt with has been more related to what I feel is a lot of the fear and anxiety and, and anger and, and, and dread. And even, I mean, just all kinds of ways that people operate. And I'm not, I'm not saying this... Not like, like complaining, but like, man, like mean emails and conspiracy stuff and all this stuff I've gotten and people that, well, I'm not going here because you guys did this wrong and all this stuff. And they go, I'm going to that church now. Okay, I understand. It's okay, you know. Um, but I would say 70% of what we've dealt with has been like that kind of stuff. 30% actually related to th this virus. And it's, it is heartbreaking, and if you got my email, I just something my all week I just been on my heart and trying to figure out the wording and, and stuff and, and stuff. But um, <clears throat> I was reading I've been reading a book recently called Canoeing Through the Mountains, and it's an interesting read. It's from the perspective of a pastor who's been in ministry, and he wrote it before COVID, by the way. He just it just came out like last February, I think. But um, Canoeing Through the Mountains is a story of Lewis and Clark, and he talks about how they got to the top of a mountain just starting into the Rockies. And they basically had this idea, this assumption that once you get there, just get your canoe and you'll just coast all the way to the Pacific and you'll live happily ever after. And so if you know geography like I do, you would know that when you get to the top of the first part of the Rockies on the east side, it's mountains as far as you can see. Okay, and then for, we all know like Washington, Cascades, all that stuff. It was, it was nuts. So they get to the top and it's like, there's more. Like we got more to go through. And the book is, is basically talking about how in the church, and again, written before COVID, not even knowing it was coming, but it's been profound to read. Look, there's all kinds of ways that we gotta continue to navigate life. But I wanna simplify this by, by asking something. When we talk about this idea that you and I are part of the body of Christ, and I read what Paul had said that you and I, are, we're in this together. We laugh 
together, we rejoice together, we weep together, and we walk through healing together. That's biblical. That's what we're called to do. But in a world that's so driven by the anger and dissension and factions and fear, as a pastor, I am deeply concerned. And the reason I'm deeply concerned, and I'm gonna oversimplify this, so I get that. But when we talk about the power of the gospel, let me ask you a question. When you, by the way, when you attend a Grove Church, you gotta wear deodorant. Because I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands in a moment. When we talk about the power of the gospel, how many of you would say it's, it's, it's the power of, of salvation, forgiveness from our sins? It's huge. How many of you would say that it, it's the anchor of our hope that we hold on to every day, no matter what happens? How many would say it's the ability to live in grace and extend grace to others? How many would say it's healing for some that, yeah, I need healing, okay? How, how many would say that, that it's the hope in eternity as we hold on to that, looking at the end of life coming for any one of us at any point, okay? Most of us raised our hands for basically all of those things. I'm oversimplifying it, but in a world that's full of anxiety and fear and dissensions and factions and all this stuff, you and I as the body of Christ have the answer. And I'm not gonna skirt this because I understand there, there are all kinds of agendas out there trying to drive us, but I have said over and over as a pastor, my passion is the gospel. Do you know why my passion is the gospel? Because I believe that the gospel is the answer to all that's ailing us. And I know that's an oversight. Well, there's nuance to all, I get it. There's nuance to all kinds of things. But I believe there is power in the gospel. It's why I'm telling people, look, I say it all the time. You can find a new church because I'm gonna say this every time I stand up here probably. You and I are called to be studiers of scripture, readers of the Bible. And as you and I read the scriptures in partnership with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, we're directed, we're guided. We can have humility. We can walk in grace. We can make room for each other's faults. We can realize that we don't all get it right all the time, but we're in this together trying to shine the hope of the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. And there are times, and I'm just going to say it, there are times where you're going to be asked by the Holy Spirit to speak up in a conversation with somebody when you see they're struggling, when you see they're going through something, when, when, they're, when they're lesser than they should be, when there's an anger, a divisiveness, a hopelessness, all that stuff, when that comes up, hey, man, I don't... I, all that you're going through, I mean, I hear you and I'm so sorry you're feeling all this. And this is gonna sound a little weird, but can I be honest with you? A while back, man, I encountered this whole thing about Jesus. And I know you're thinking I'm about to get weird, but can I just share with you something? What I have in my heart gives me hope every day. What I have in my heart gives me peace in a world that seems like it's unraveling. And I know I can sound so cliche, but can I just share with you with all that you're feeling and all that's going on that, that I find the answers in this gospel this thing about God's love in Christ. And I can't skirt that because I love you too much. And, and, and there are moments where you're gonna need to speak up and say something. We've said for years, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that you and I are called to, to shine the light of Christ in how we live. I've said that more times than I can count. And I think we kind of get that if you've been around for a while. But there are points where in the midst of shining the love of Christ that you're gonna have to speak up. And it doesn't have to come across as, well, you just need to repent or you just need to invite Jesus in. And it's not that those things are the wrong things, but when we come across that way, it comes across as sort of a prideful thing. But listen, when you and I, and this is what I do, I'm just telling you my approach. Hey, I hear that that's going on in your heart, man. I'm so sorry. But can I just share with you something that happened to me? Can I just share with you where I'm at? And I'm not saying I got it perfect or I always get it right. There's something about God's love for you 
that, that when I found it, man, I've had that peace. And it's not always easy. And there are moments where it might be that, can I just pray with you right now? And some of you are like, dear Lord, I wouldn't even know what to say. And maybe it's just this, I'm gonna be praying for you. But if you ever wanna chat more about it, let me know. If you wanna invite Jesus in. And of course, oh yeah, as a pastor, but before I was even in ministry, I'd have conversations with people all over the place at parks and beaches and different places where I got to share that. I've been able to pray with people. Yes, in public places. And no, I'm not ashamed of that. It's maybe easier for me now than, than, than maybe for you. But you know what? You and I, as the body of Christ, hold on to the hope. But we're not called to circle the wagons and make it our hope. We're called to make sure it's our hope that we desperately want others to realize. Because that's the gospel. And as the body of Christ, every one of us has been gifted. Every single one of us has a gift to be part of this thing. Ways that you and I can contribute to making sure that it happens. And, and you, you talk about like, you know, resources and finances. Yeah, that's part of it. Time, that's part of it. The ways that you've been wired and personality and spiritual gifts, that's part of it. It's being a part of this thing that the world can see the hope of Christ. That's what we're called to. It's why as a church, we've said it takes all of us for we to win. It does, that, that we're in this together, that we're working through this together. But when you go to your place of employment, or you go shop at the store you always go to to get your groceries, or you get gas, or you do whatever you do to hang out with family or whatever you do. It, it's about shining that light, about using those gifts. I love how Peter says it. Each of you should use whatever you, uh, gift you have received to serve others. Listen, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms the gifts you have been given are God's grace through you into the lives of other people. It happens internally as we gather and do this and host team shows up and help seat people and Grove Kids volunteers show up and parking crew and different people show up just on a Sunday. It happens in, in, our, in our youth gatherings on Wednesday nights and the tutoring that happens before that for students that come and need tutoring offering for free. I love that we're doing that. It happens when, when like I said, when you go out and, and, and go to your places of work or whatever you do. You're carrying God's grace. The question is, are you carrying God's grace? Are you shining that light? Are you being what God is calling you to be? Because we are in this. Yeah, we could talk about volunteer teams here and absolutely we need you to get involved. There's all kinds of things as we move forward from COVID and continue to navigate through this that we want you to be involved in, but it's not just here. It's you and I being the body of Christ wherever we go. And my heart and my passion is that we would live that way. Because you guys, come on, we know our world desperately needs you and I to have joy, life, grace, humility, hope. A sense of looking through the lens, not of me and myself and I, but how do I, how do I be a bright light? How do I be the kind of person I'm called to be? Sorry, some of that was extracurricular activity. We'll come back to the rest of the sermon. <laughs> Lord, it's, it's just in my heart and, and there's just so much that goes on that it's easy to misunderstand. And, and really, some of us, maybe we're picking up our cues a little too much from certain factions or certain 
I don't know, groups or, or certain, or even Christians that are militant about certain things. And, and I understand passion, but God, sometimes I do feel like it's overwhelming our ability to shine the light, that we look angry, we look judgmental. We look like we're only thinking about our own selves. And I pray you'd help us to look differently, that God, as we consider Jesus, as we consider the gospel, as we consider what we've received, that God, it would begin to transform how we operate as the body together. Help us to walk in humility. Help us to walk out unity. Help us to walk out the hope we hold on to. that this world not only sees it, God, but as we get the opportunity that we share it. Help us live that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.